Good morning, church family. My name is Kayla Hess. I've been attending uh, NBC now for about four years. If you will grab your Bibles or look to the screen here, we're going to be reading from 1 Peter 3, 8 through 17. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. You may be seated. Good morning. It's exciting to be here with you this morning. I know it's been a crazy summer. Uh, we've had three mission trips uh, uh, the uh, Simmons and, uh, and Maria went on uh, Ecuador. We had a group of people go to Kenya. Exciting to have some of them here this morning as well. Uh, and then a group of us went to Tanzania. So we've been uh, in and out traveling. Uh, it's been, I've seen on Facebook, many of you traveling, doing vacation type stuff. And now school's getting ready to start. Uh, in fact, as I uh, was in Tanzania, my wife was telling me about the heat that was here. And I said, honey, you're just giving me more reason to want to stay in Tanzania a couple more weeks. Because <laughs> I felt like that I kind of went from, you know, heavenly temperatures to hellish-like temperatures. And uh, it was really a difference, a difference. And now that I'm back, it's like, ugh, how did you guys do it while I was gone? I just commend you. I mean, it's uh, exciting times, right? As we trust the Lord, as we walk through this life, uh, and as we trust him in every single moment of every single aspect of our lives. I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. The passage that was read this morning is going to be our passage. Uh, we're going to look at it and look in depth at some areas. Uh, there's one phrase that stood out to me, and, and you're going to find me camping on this phrase. It says, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called. That's in verse 9. You were called to bless. You were called to bless. We are called to bless. I want you to just let that soak through this message. If you don't get anything else, I want you to get that understanding of that phrase as we wrestle with it together. You were called to bless. You see, the importance of that is that he's speaking out of suffering. This is, he's beginning in this section, starting with verse 8, he's beginning to talk about suffering in the Christian life. 
And in, in 1 Peter, he talks about external suffering, that suffering that happens to us from other people that are hostile to us, that are hostile to our faith. And so this book is very appropriate for our world today, where there's increased persecution of Christianity, not only in the rest of the world, but beginning here as well, right? And you realize to stand up as a believer in Jesus Christ, now it's not as easy as it once was. It's always been difficult, but it's even more difficult now. And in fact, in the 21st century, there is more suffering, more persecution of people uh, that are Christian than all the other centuries combined. I mean, think about that one. More suffering in the last 23 years, more persecution, more martyrdom. In fact, I just read something this morning. I was kind of looking for something else and I came across this. That every two hours, a Christian somewhere in the world is martyred for their faith. Every two hours. And so you think, wow, that's, that's I mean, as we are here this morning, there's another Christian that's been martyred somewhere in the world. And so it's alarming. I, I think I, that was, it wasn't Voice of the Martyrs that I got that from. It was another organization similar to them. Voice of the Martyrs is, if you want to know more about what's going on in suffering in our world, that's a great place to start. They have a magazine they send out. They, you can go on their website and read some of the stories of different people who, for their faith, have had to speak up and have had to lose their life because they were unwilling to recant and so this, this section is very important to us, and, and in Peter's day, obviously, it was something that they dealt with a lot, especially with Nero on the throne. Peter lost his own life standing up and claiming that Jesus Christ rose from the grave and worshiping him. And so this isn't just some light-hearted words that we speak and kind of go, oh yeah, that's nice, let's go to lunch, Right? These are some important words for us to think about. And one of the things that Peter says here near the end of his life, he's saying, you've been called to bless. One of our biggest testimonies in our world is to bless when we have not been treated rightly. When we have been hurt, when we have been wronged, we bless instead. And it, and it causes people to stand up and take notice of our faith that we are willing to bless when we feel like retaliating because that's the, uh, the, the normal response. When somebody hurts us, we want to hurt them back. And the old saying that goes, hurting people hurt people. When you've hurt by, been hurt by somebody, they're probably hurting. There's probably something going on in their life that has nothing to do with you, and yet they've hurt you. You just happen to be in the way, as in their pain. And when you realize that, now, sometimes it's intentional toward you, but sometimes even that is coming from somewhere else. It's coming from an insecurity in them. It's coming from a pain in them, a hurt in them, a hurt in the past. And they're just trying to, to establish some sort of control in their life, and, and you happen to be, you know, tag, you're it. You're the person that they hurt at that moment. But if you see it from the bigger perspective, it changes you. It causes you to look at them differently and instead of cursing, you can bless. That person who cuts you off on the road and, and gives you the high sign uh, that's not a high sign, <laughs> 
If you're thinking, you know, that person may be just coming from the hospital. I wonder if they've lost somebody. I wonder if they're hurting. I wonder if they've lost their job. I wonder if, you know, and you begin, it changes you. When you begin to think that way, it completely changes your perspective on other people. And you find yourself praying for them rather than retaliating. Because one thing about it, and this is something I've noticed, and I think this is something that you need to keep in mind. When somebody hurts you, if you retaliate, you pretty well ended all opportunity to see something happen positively. But if you respond with blessing instead, you keep the door open for reconciliation, you keep the door open for communication, and it may never happen. But that's the only way that you keep the door open. When you respond with blessing. And in fact, we see that in Proverbs 15.1. One that you need to memorize for your marriages. One that you need to memorize for every relationship that you have. Talks about a harsh word stirs up anger. But a gentle answer turns away wrath. That gentle answer turns away wrath means you're standing in the face of wrath and you have a choice to make, gentle answer, harsh word. Which one is it going to be? And if you have the gentle answer, then you are blessed because then something can happen. Then something significant can happen. And so when we look at this passage and it says we're called a blessing in the midst of suffering, in the midst of reviling, in the midst of somebody coming after us, it changes us if we don't respond in kind. I mean, I, I've watched all the different sporting events where somebody goes boom and knocks somebody down and the guy jumps up. What does he do? Boom, he hits him back. We see that in all the movies. Something happens at the beginning and you go, okay, get him. You know, this, now, now you're getting the whole movie. We can't wait till the, till the bad guy gets his due and, and by the good guy. And so everything that we see doesn't tell us bless instead. It tells us get even, get revenge, get something else. And so when Peter says, on the contrary, bless. On the contrary. Why does he say on the contrary, bless? Because that's not what you're wanting to do. You're not wanting to bless. You don't feel like blessing. When you need to bless someone else, you're not going to feel it at all. You're going to feel like getting even, getting revenge, getting something else. Yeah, it's wow. We need to think, am I going to choose to bless? By faith, am I going to choose to bless? It doesn't mean that you just become, uh, you know, everybody runs over you. There's, it, later in the passage, you see, yeah, there's a place to speak up, but it's not speaking up on my behalf, it's speaking up on his behalf. That's what you see later when he says, oh, always being prepared to make a defense. Sometimes we're quick to make the defense. We're, we're, we're primed and we're loaded and we're ready for defense and we're not really thinking about for the Lord's sake. We're thinking for our own sake. Dallas Theological Seminary has a statement, their vision statement is, teach truth, love well. Love well. And I was thinking about that this week. Do we love well? I mean, we could all say that, oh yeah, we're committed to love. We sing about it. Uh, we're going to love well. We're going to love the Lord well. We're going to love other people well. But do we really do it well? We... Um, 
an article that I read in, two, it was a 2012 article from UC Berkeley uh, said this, it says, love thy neighbor is preached from many a pulpit, but new research, I'm sure, yeah, new research, from the University of California, Berkeley, and you kind of go, okay, wait a minute, uh, just hang on, suggests that the highly religious are less motivated by compassion when helping a stranger than are atheist, agnostic, and less religious people. You know, and I was reading that, and I was thinking, is that true? Is that right? And I was thinking, it doesn't really matter if it's right or wrong. It should be obvious. It shouldn't even be close. The fact that it's even close and is even a study that somebody does shouldn't come out that way. It should be so obvious that everybody's laughing at the article. And the fact that it's not is, is not a good thing. And so I think, why don't we love well? Because we're justified. We feel justified in our responses. We feel justified in criticizing someone else instead of loving. We feel justified in ignoring or in holding grudges or in getting revenge or in spreading rumors or in sabotaging the other person or blaming them or wishing them ill will rather than loving and blessing. And we feel justified in our action. Well, you may be justified, but are we doing what Christ is asking us to do? Are we doing what Peter is telling us we need to do in terms of learning to love well, learning to bless when we don't feel like it? When you look at this passage in Peter, you realize he says, finally. You think, finally? What is he concluding here? He just talked about marriage, and now he's saying, finally. And so you kind of, at first it's a disconnect until you go back and you look at the fact that he's talked about being submissive to human institutions back in chapter 2, verse 13. And then in 18, he says, servants, be subject to your masters. And if you want to know more about that, I want to encourage you to look at the, uh, in May 21st, I believe, where I talked about that passage. Wives being subject to your husbands. The next Sunday I did that. Uh, but then he says, finally, all of you. So he's, he's going through groups of people. And here he's down to all of you. So that's why he's saying finally. So it's actually part of that whole section. And you realize that it's actually a section on submission as well, even though the word submission is not used in this passage. But the idea is found in verse 15. It's another key phrase in this section. It says, but in your hearts... Honor Christ the Lord as holy. See, we focus on always be prepared to give an answer. I've focused on that for years. And then you've got to look at the little phrase right before it. In your hearts, honor Christ as Lord as holy. Submit to the Lord. If he's Lord, that means I submit to him, right? I shouldn't call him Lord and then not do what he asked me to do. Otherwise, I'm just giving him lip service and not doing anything. And so there's this idea that I submit to the Lord. That's the heart of the matter. That's the heart of this passage. I can bless, but I can do it with a real bitter spirit. I say, well, I bless you, you know. <laughs> bless your heart. You know, we say that in Texas, don't we? Uh -huh. We say it in the South, bless your heart. And you know what that means? It doesn't mean bless. <laughs> right because we'll say oh bless your heart you have no sense of fashion 
you know? Bless your heart. I mean, you know, fill in the blank of some, you know, derogatory, you know, you poor, foolish, stupid person, you know? That's what we typically mean when we say bless you. That, Peter was not from the South. He wasn't from Southern, Southern United States. He's not saying to use it in that sense that we, you know, bless your heart. He wants us to, he wants us to bless. And what that means is the heart, which is in verse 15, is not bless your heart. It's in your hearts, honor Christ. I'm not doing it to bless that person. I'm doing it because Christ asked me to do so and I'm doing it for him. And as I do it for him, he changes my heart and my heart becomes a heart of compassion. My heart becomes a heart that I want to bless, that I want to do what he wants me to do. And notice what he says in verse 9. I know I told you I was going to camp on this verse. Bless for you, this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. That's not the reason to do it. But you're going to obtain a blessing nonetheless. What kind of blessing is that? You know, when I've gone to Tanzania, when I've gone to Pakistan, when I've gone to India or Ecuador, different places to do ministry, I go because I hope to bless the people, right? When you went to Kenya, you hope to bless the orphanage. When you, when you went to Ecuador, you hope to bless the people that you minister to there, the, the Kichwa. Every time, I think I come back more blessed than any blessing I was able to give. I come, ab- I come away moved. My heart is moved. My heart is deepened. My walk with the Lord is changed. I become more compassionate. I become more focused. I become more uh, understanding of what our world is going through. Uh, people that come a- alongside you and pray for you. Uh, I mean, it's just been amazing to me. Here I went to these different places, especially Pakistan and Tanzania, and, and I shared about my cancer, and then they, they began to pray for me whenever, uh, before, when I found out about it, when I had my surgery, and, through the, and they keep asking me, how are you doing? And they, they're sharing stuff with me, and I'm like, oh my goodness, so blessed. And I thought I was going to go and, and bless people, right? No, I, I, I do some blessing, and they do a whole lot more blessing than I could ever imagine. And my life is touched. Had a guy, this last time, uh, uh, we uh, spent two weeks uh, doing medical missions at the end of the, uh, of the trip, the last two weeks. And, and medical missions, we would go into uh, a community that has never had any medical. We, and, and in order to do that, we have to go beyond the two-hour window. Most ministry happens with, between two hours of the, uh, the nearest hotel because you want to come back to your hotel at night. And so we go beyond that to our window, which means it's why we camp out, why we live in tents and we're in places with no electricity and you know, no really running water and, and so uh, no showers for the week unless you take a bucket bath or you know, sponge bath. And, and, and yet the opportunity for ministry, they're so excited. Even the, the, uh, the, the community leaders who may not be believers at that point, they're, they're, they're telling us, thank you so much for coming. They're so excited that we've come and we're ministering to their people and we're giving them medical care that they've never had before. And it's simple stuff. And we, and we gave away like $9,000 worth of, uh, of uh, pharma, pharmacy stuff. 
that we, that we gave to them is that we had four physicians and they, they, they see the people, they prescribe stuff. We have the stuff right there to be able to take care of their need. And in, and in the process, we also do evangelism. Everybody that goes through medical goes through the evangelism room. So we saw 3,000 in two weeks. I mean, we, we were cranking people out and getting them medical care, but also giving them the opportunity for the gospel. And then we do pastor conference, and, and I'll have about 40 pastors that have been invited to come, and, and, I'll, and I'll teach them basic Bible study methods, just how to study their Bible. Because they, don't, they haven't had any training at all in some cases. And they, but they've come to Christ and they're excited about the Lord and, so they, they, and they're leaders and so they start teaching other people. And so, uh, you know, giving them just a little bit of training, it's amazing. Those, these guys eat it up. And as we, as we spend this time together, uh, uh, just seeing what God is doing in it is just amazing. And so I, I was, uh, one particular day I was, uh, I, I was done uh, uh, with the pastors and I, and I released them to, and, I, and I went over to the evangelism room and they were just getting started with a new group. And the person leading it said, hey, Greg, come in and share your testimony. And so I walk in and, 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 and when I walk in, she said, now, by the way, this guy, and she points to a guy that's in the front row uh, and sitting right on the corner seat, said, uh, this guy right here just told everybody that uh, uh, he's not a Christian, he hasn't received Christ, but he doesn't beat his wife, and he doesn't, hasn't gone to a witch doctor, and so he thinks he's pretty good. You know, a guy that, and I just thought, wow, this is amazing, you know, that he would just tell everybody, and so everybody knew about it. And so I, I, I just began to share my testimony about how I came to Christ and kind of got into the gospel. In fact, the lady goes, well, you've already done everything I was going to do, so we'll just turn it over to the, the uh, local pastor and let him kind of, you know, uh, do, the, do the prayer with people. And, uh, and so then he spoke. And, but but I, I remember I just, I don't know what possessed me to do it. I just walked up to him. He was just right there. And so I just walked right up to him and said, I would so love for you to come to know Jesus. I said, I know, I, I know this puts a little pressure on you. I don't mean to do that, but I just, I would love for you to come to know Jesus. And uh, when they prayed, he prayed to receive Christ. Amen. And it was just, yeah, just a blessing. I mean, I, I mean, my heart was full. It was like, I, I can go the rest of the week and nothing else happened. And this was enough. This was enough. Just to watch this guy who, and, and I don't think that he received Christ because he felt pressured. I just, I just, it was just kind of, it was almost like I was just talking to him personally. It was like, I've completely forgot about everybody else. And I was just like, you know, uh, I heard your testimony. I heard what you said. And, and I just would love for you to take that step and, uh, and be my, my brother in Christ. And, and those little moments, just little moments like that, where a person takes that step and, and I don't even know his name. And I'm hoping that I can find somebody who got his name and I can, I can begin to pray for him by name, but Lord knows who he is. And I just, I just pray for him. Lord, help him to grow in Christ. Uh, these guys, they have so many difficulties. And, and I just think when we go to bless and we go in and we share the gospel or we go in and do medical and then, and, and then just there's moments where you just walk away and go, wow, I'm, 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 my heart is full. I just watched the hand of God work and my heart is full. When you see God's hand at work, you, 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 it changes you in a way that you, you will never, you'll never imagine. You'll never imagine. Well, Peter here talks about, in verse 8 and 9, in 8 he talks about the way that we respond to believers, and in 9 he talks about how, how we respond to those who respond hostile to us. He says, finally, all of you, 
And he gives us five things. Have unity of mind. The word that's used there in the Greek has the idea of same mind. And I was thinking, you know, we may have 300 people here today. Do we have the same mind? Usually when you have a room with 300 people, you got 301 opinions, right? Because <laughs> there's some people with two opinions, they're not sure which one they're going to take, you know. There's at least one of those. How do we have the same mind? How do we have the same mind? We have the same mind when we do what it says in verse 14. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. Christ only has one opinion. And when we line our opinion with his opinion, we don't have 300 opinions, we have one opinion. Then we're of one mind. We're focused together. And so the matter of is us getting close to the Lord, us, us leaning on him, us asking him, God, what do you want? That's the same thing is true in your marriage, by the way. If you look at Ephesians chapter 5, the thing that people do when they look at marriage there, they start at verse 21. No, start at verse 18. That's where the passage starts. And, we, and you don't think about it starting there, but it says, it, it talks about in verse 18 that we're supposed to be filled with the Spirit. It says, don't be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. And we go, dissipation, what is that? Disorderly conduct. But be filled with the Spirit. It gives a comparison by way of contrast. Being drunk means you're under the influence. What is filled with the Spirit? Under the influence. Being drunk means you're controlled by the alcohol. What is filled with the Spirit? Controlled by the Spirit. What does that mean? I'm submitting to the Spirit. I'm submitting to His control. I'm submitting to His influence in my life. That's the first submission in the passage. We submit to the Spirit of God. And if a couple will submit to the Spirit of God, you won't have two opinions, you'll have one opinion. Amen. You won't have two directions, you'll have one direction. You'll be focused together. That If we start there and we would get together and get on our knees before the Lord as a couple and say, Lord, what do you want for us? <laughs> Not what do I want and you, you need to fulfill that both ways. All of a sudden, you've got two opinions. You've got people fighting against each other, fighting for their own opinion, their own way. It's like, no, we need to fight for his way. And the way we fight for his way is we submit to him. We sanctify him. We honor him as Lord. As Lord. As the Lord of our lives. And we say, yes. Whatever you want for my marriage. Whatever you want for my church. Yes. And we have one opinion. It's his opinion, his way. Unity of mind. Sympathy. Sympathy. You know, I was thinking about this, this list of five things. Why does Paul, Peter even have to say these things? Aren't these obvious? Shouldn't these be obvious things that we would all do? No, it's really not. If you were in a society where there's reincarnation, and there's countries that that's, that's big in those, co those cultures, compassion, sympathy is not part of the culture. Because in reincarnation, if I show compassion to you and then you don't do the suffering that you needed to suffer, then uh, you don't, it, when you're reincarnated, you're reincarnated as a lesser form of life rather than a greater form of life. And so there's no compassion in those cultures. And in fact, in, in, in India, they've kicked out Compassion International because for a lot of different reasons, but you realize 
it, it's, it needs to be said. It needs to be said, this is not the same. Compassion is an important thing. We don't have a reincarnation going on. It's appointed unto men once to die. After this comes judgment, the author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 9, 27. So we, we only live this one life and we are commanded as believers in Christ to show compassion to others. That's part of how we bless. And in fact, he's giving us a list of ways that we bless. Brotherly love, that we care for one another, that we love one another, that we love well. That we think about, how can I love somebody else well? How can I bless them well? And yet, most of our lives, many of our lives, we live for ourselves. And we've got to be honest about that. We fo- and there's things we need to do for ourselves, personal hygiene, that kind of stuff. We spend the first hour of our morning taking care of self, right? Putting on lotions, wa- uh, washing, brushing teeth. I mean, all sorts of stuff that we do, that we take care of ourselves. That's a good thing. But we shouldn't spend the whole rest of our day focused looking in the mirror. A tender heart. Then when we see something... Not only are we compassionate, but we have a tender heart, not a hard heart. And a humble mind means that I, humility, uh, Peter does, I mean, Paul does a great job of of giving us a definition of humility in Philippians chapter 2. Not looking out for our own interest, but for the interest of others. That's what humility is. Humility is not thinking, oh, I'm a worm, I'm nothing, I'm, no. Humility has very confident people who says, I'm looking out for you. That's humility. When I'm looking out for the other person, I'm not just looking out for myself. That's humility. So that I have this idea of of these five things. I'm focused upon the Lord. I have a compassionate heart. I have a heart of love, which means I'm thinking about somebody else. I want to do the right thing for them. I have a tender heart toward them, and I'm willing to humbly go do something. I don't just sit around and go, oh, I feel sorry for them. Okay, let's turn the page and go on to the next thing in life, right? You read an article on, on, on the internet and it just rips your heart out. You go, oh my goodness, this is horrible. Well, let's see what the next article says. You know, we just move on and it's like our heart just becomes hardened instead of tender because we didn't do anything. We didn't make a choice. In fact, that, that was one of the struggles that I've had when I've been in Tanzania. When I was in Tanzania uh, the last couple of times, I, I've just seen people after person after person who can't get medical help. People that can't take that next step. People that, that, that don't have the money to get medical help. People that, that the medical help is too far away and they can't travel to get to it. And the roads aren't that great anyway, so even a short distance can be a long time. And if they don't have means of transportation, they're stuck. This last trip, I, I spent... Uh, uh, a little bit of time in the capital city of Dodoma. I took a side trip uh, in between two of our trips. And I went and, and I had the opportunity and, 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 and God's uh, grace to speak to the minister of health of the country of Tanzania. And I'm thinking, what do I have any business, you know, speaking to the minister of health? I'm not a medical type. You know, I was a music major in college, you know, what am I, and, I, and I was talking to a couple of doctors about this, you know, that were on our team, and they said, 
We feel comfortable with the stethoscope around our neck and beating with a patient. We don't like that kind of stuff that you're talking about. And I thought, okay, maybe I'm supposed to be the person that does this because I know how to get things started. I know how to, and I have, I mean, it's so out of my element, it's, but, I'm, but I'm in the process of trying to figure out how do I get medical equipment from the United States to Tanzania in such a way that I can help them get uh, accredited hospitals with the JCI accreditation, the Joint Commission International Accreditation, so that they begin to up their game and they begin to get medical help in a way that, and I'm just like, and I, and I, have, I haven't even figured it all out how, because I, I really care about the gospel and I want this to be uh, either pre-evangelism or whatever, and everybody kind of wants to control this thing. The bishops kind of would like to, you know, say, hey, why don't you come under our umbrella? And, and I know that they're not going to want me to work with the government and and so I, it's like, no, I got to stay open so that I can work with the government. I can work with Christians. I can work with Muslims. I can work with every hospital and I can hope to, to do it in the name of Jesus because that's who I am. I just got to be who God made me to be. And that's who he made me to be a guy who's a believer in Jesus and, 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 and I, and I unabashedly so. And yet I'm, I, I love on all the people of Tanzania, not just one group. And that's, that's a hard line to walk. I can tell you that. That's a hard line to walk. And I have no idea this all could go in the toilet tomorrow. It could all fall apart because all of it's so out of my control. But I got a chance to meet with the, the minister of health and, and it was just over a, a, a kind of a lunch between sessions of, of parliament. I got to go to parliament, kind of sit up in the gallery and then, then uh, go and talk to her. And the very first thing they talked about was hospitals in parliament. That was kind of helpful. And so I, I just said, you know, uh, I would love to see, uh, uh, you know, this happen. I said, but uh, I really need for uh, there not to be any taxes on, on uh, stuff that comes in. And she said, well, uh, you, you realize there's a 2% tax on stuff that's medical equipment that comes in. I said, yes, ma'am. I, I, uh, uh, let me see if I understand what you're saying. Uh, what you're saying is, is that if I bring in $2 million worth of medical equipment that people have donated or that hospitals have donated, and then I um, um, raise $10,000 to ship it to Tanzania, you're going to charge me $20,000 to receive it. I said, that's a deal killer. She goes, yeah, I can see that. And she, she began to process, how could we make this happen? And I would, the thing I'd prayed for is God give me favor. And I realized I just got to be Greg. I can't go in and, as the American who has all the answers. And I just went in. I just said, look, I, I know I don't, I, I, I'm not the American with all the answers. I, I, there needs to be a Tanzania solution to this. And I said, but I'd love to help. And here's how I can help. And, and here's what I'm hearing about where you guys are at. And, and, uh, uh, I, um, I don't know where this goes. Uh, I don't know how this goes forward, but I'm, I'm, I'm taking steps. Uh, and so as I take these different steps of, uh, to see this happen, I really think that it's very possible that there could be, uh, and right now I'm just kind of focused on a couple of hospitals, but I thought this, this is very scalable. And it may not happen in my lifetime, but I would love to see the whole country of Tanzania, the healthcare be erased. And as I thought about it, I thought there's no reason why maybe beyond my lifetime that it could impact all of Africa. And so that's my prayer. It's a, I thought, this is crazy. This is crazy to even think this. How am I even in this meeting with the minister of health? That's a God thing. God opened that door. I just stepped in. I'm just like, Lord, okay, you're Lord. I, I, I didn't have this plan. I didn't know what you were planning to do. And, and here I am. I'm just taking the next step. Why? Because 
I have sympathy and brotherly love and a tender heart and a humble mind. I just want to do something. And I'm not saying, oh, here I am humble. No, I'm somebody who just cares about other people and want to see something happen. My heart's been in pain as I've seen what they've gone through and what they're suffering through. And some of the people that we saw in those clinics, we couldn't do anything for. We couldn't help them. And if they had been in the United States and, and we could have gotten the help to them, if they would have had just better health care in their own country, and it breaks your heart. You think, these are people for whom Jesus died. What can I do, Lord? What do you want me to do? What steps do you want me to take? And so I just take those steps and I just keep moving forward. And I've been blessed. The fact that I even had that meeting and this, this guy that's been our contact, Joseph Lacha, he's so excited about the steps that we're taking. He's been a blessing to me. It says in verse uh, 10, for, the, for whoever desires to love life and to see good days. Oh, I, I, I love life. I, I desire to see good days, don't you? I hope you do. He says, let him keep his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. All of those things, things that we pursue, things that we look for, be at peace with those even if they're not being at peace with us. And in fact, in verse 9, do not repay evil for evil. Now, two wrongs don't make a right. Choose the right. Reviling for reviling. Somebody says something to you, don't, don't, don't say back what you're thinking. Bite your tongue and bless them instead. It says, for the eyes of the Lord, verse 12, are on the righteous and their ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I had somebody, as I was talking about this passage this week, said, yeah, as a mom, you know, you kind of see things out of the corner of your eye and, and you hear things going on. But when you turn your face to the kids, all of a sudden, it's a different story. Right? And here you have the face of the Lord against those who turn evil. Why the face of the Lord? All of a sudden, the face of the Lord focuses on that and you're like, uh-oh, we're in trouble. God hears our prayers. He does turn his face toward us in grace as we look at that blessing in Numbers 24. It says, now who is there to harm you if you suffer, if you're zealous for what is good? There's plenty of people that will harm you if you do what is good. We see that in our world. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has a blessing for those who are reviled. In, in Matthew chapter 5. It's not the blessing. We like all the Beatitudes, the blessed R's uh, in the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. We don't like this one. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. Uh, I don't like that one. And utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Why? For your reward is great in heaven. There is a future reward. When we respond right, we respond with righteousness to evil. Um, people saying abusive, revile just means abusive things that are said about us, wrong things, false things. Persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. Rejoice, for your reward is great. Blessing is there. 
Have no fear of them nor deep troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ as Lord all, uh, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense. So we, it doesn't mean we're just silent. We, we're, we're ready to make the defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is within you. Not too many people go, hey, tell me the reason for the hope that's within you. They don't say it that way. What they'll say is, your boss said this about you and you didn't respond in kind. Why didn't you do that? I've been called to bless. Jesus has called me to bless. And it's because of Jesus' sake that I responded like I did. It's the opportunity for the gospel. When people are saying, you didn't respond like I thought you would. You do it with gentleness and reverence. Having a good conscience. Verse 17 says, for better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will. It's, uh, when you look at God's will, you've got uh, three aspects. You've got to look at his decrees, which he says, let there be light. Light has to happen when he says that. But if he says, do not steal, we don't always respond like creation. It's a different kind of will of God. And then the other is the permissive will of God, where he allows something to happen. He doesn't condone it. He doesn't say it's right, but he allows it to happen. He allows suffering to happen to the righteous, even in this passage. How is that? He permits it to happen. He permits it to happen for a good reason. We may not know that reason. One day we will, but we look at it now and go, Lord, somehow I'm going to be blessed by this. It may be a future blessing. It may be a present blessing, like I was blessed with this guy coming to Christ. But all I know is this. I'm going to let my heart honor Christ, the Lord. He is my Lord, and I trust him. And so when we look at our lives, we need to ask ourselves this question, do I love well? And if I don't, what do I need to do? Do I call, uh, consider blessing a calling on my life? And if so, that needs to be my response every time, that I bless instead. This morning... I was uh, taking care of my dog. He was eating. He had been chewing on a chew toy, and a little squeaker was came out, and uh, and he started uh, uh, eating it. And I was trying to get it out of his mouth so that. It, and he started growling at me and kind of nipping at me. And I set him down, and he was you know swallowed the thing. And I was like, I hope he doesn't die from this. <laughs> I did squeeze on him a little bit to see if he squeaked. <laughs> And, and, then I, and then I picked him up again, and he was growling at me again. I was like, what is wrong with this dog, demon dog? And so I tried to put him in his cage, and I closed the cage, and he was growling at me, tried to bite my hand, as I was, and I was like, what has happened to this dog? He was so loving earlier. And I found myself not wanting to bless <laughs> Chip, my dog. <laughs> I was thinking, okay, Lord, is this, is this part of... <laughs> Here I am learning my own lesson. I was feeling all sorts of non-blessing type of things in my head. And so I gave him a little time out and he came out and, you know, it was fine. But I was just thinking, okay, Lord, we have so many opportunities in life, so many simple things where you just want us to bless. May we be a blessing. May we bless well. May we love well. Lord, we come to you today. And we thank you for your incredible love for us. Thank you for loving us well. You have loved us so well, so amazingly well that Jesus died for us.
He died on a cross so that we could have eternal life. And we were not loving you well. We were not blessing you. We were enemies. Enemies of the cross of Christ. And yet you still blessed us. Lord, we are most like you when we are blessing, when we are being attacked. We are most like your love when we're loving when we're, when, and loving well when we're not being loved. Lord, help us. Help our lives to be a testimony. Help our lives to be a reason people ask for the hope that was within us. They wonder how we can be so hopeful when we've just been treated poorly. Lord, I pray that those would be the opportunities where you open the door for us to love well, for us to give a defense for the faith, to begin to explain to people why we believe. Lord, I do pray also for just the people of Tanzania that you would allow somehow me to figure out how to help them in their hospital care. And I pray that it would be an opportunity for the gospel as well. I pray that it open up some doors in some amazing ways. And I don't know how that's going to happen, but I look to you. I got some ideas, but Lord, I look to you. None of those could even happen. And so I trust you. I look to you. I rest in you. Father, I pray this morning that you would help us to go forth in this place committed to the single idea we are called to bless. And I pray that it would change us. I pray that we wouldn't walk out of here and just forget this. I pray that this would be on our hearts and minds all day, all week, rest of our lives. We've been called to bless. Help us to figure out how to do it well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.